This is the gift that he decided to give the American people. What the hell is going on? Wrong. Wrong. Drugs. Wrong. Healthcare. Wrong. A wall. Wrong. Republicans. Wrong. Democrats. Wrong. Wrong. They're not Wrong. sending their best. Wrong. Best. 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 Broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From deep within the CSU headquarters by the pool that Joe Biden can't kick us out of, this is Everybody's Wrong. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode five, and I wanted to start this week with a quick recap of the Democratic primary situation. The third debate was last week, and it was probably the least interesting one. They didn't really say anything that they hadn't said before. A lot of things are racist. Nobody likes Trump. You know, the huge. However, Andrew Yang announced in his opening statement that his campaign is giving away what he calls a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for a year to 10 people who sign up at his website as a way to promote his universal basic income plan. Yang's campaign manager had put out word the day before that he was going to do something, quote, that no presidential candidate had ever done before in history. He left out that the reason nobody had ever done it before was that it was cheesy and weird. The other candidates literally laughed. And I mean, from a marketing standpoint, it was a great way to get people's email information, if that was your goal and not trying to position yourself as a legitimate candidate. It's worth pointing out, though, that according to the most recent Emerson poll, Yang is now ahead of Kamala Harris in California, her home state. So along with her poor debate performance, it's just another step along the long downward spiral that is Harris's campaign. Hashtag Camilla Harris is a cop. Biden actually started off much stronger than normal. Uh, he went toe-to-toe with other top candidates over the cost of health care proposals, claiming that his was the cheapest and most realistic one. But he eventually went back to his normal mumbly self. Castro took some pretty heavy-handed shots at Biden's age, which nobody seemed to appreciate. Only time will tell what effect this will have on Castro's already non-existent chances of ever being president. Speaking of hopeless candidates, Robert Francis O'Rourke doubled or even tripled down on his promise to ban AR-15s and AK-47s, going into what seemed to be a very honest and passionate response to shootings, much like the one that happened in his hometown of El Paso. He continued to not know anything about the weapons themselves, going beyond the normal mischaracterizations. He went on about the bullets being designed to shred your organs or whatever. It was a little weird, but at least it seemed genuine. This was presumably the reason his poll numbers rose a little bit after the debates. One of these days, I'd like to do a whole show on the gun control proposals and red flag laws and clear up a lot of that misconceptions. He's certainly given us a lot to talk about. Warren also saw a bump in her poll numbers uh, in spite of or maybe because she had much less speaking time this round. Whatever it was, it helped get her an endorsement from the Working Families Party. They are a uh, progressive political group, and they had actually endorsed Sanders in 2016. Sanders described the group as, quote, the closest thing to my vision of democratic socialism. So that should basically tell you what they do. Warren's endorsement came much to the disappointment of Bernie bros everywhere, who were on Twitter calling the endorsement a real shame, a betrayal, and just another episode in the generations-long drift of labor parties away from the working class. I'll tell you, Twitter is a weird place, but 
the Bernie people are some of the most delightfully dramatic people on there. I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. That's just a fact. Bernie, by the way, had a very flat performance. I guess he was sick or something. He sounded pretty rough, but I just assumed that was from yelling at kids to get off his lawn. But to be fair, he didn't really have to say anything. I think his plans are probably the least plausible, but he's pretty consistent about what he says. At this point, you should pretty much know his answer before you even ask him the question. And one more thing about Biden, and this really has nothing to do with the debate or the election or anything else. This is just something I kind of found amusing. In 2017, Wilmington, Delaware named a pool after Joe Biden. A video recently resurfaced of the ceremony, and Biden talks about his time as a lifeguard at the pool in 1962, I think. He sits on the lifeguard tower for pictures, and he recounts an altercation with a man named Corn Pop. And Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did, and back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came off, and he said, I'll meet you outside. And I, he said, I'll be waiting for you. He was waiting for three guys in straight razors. Not a joke. There was a guy named Bill Wright, Mouse. He was the mechanic. You know, the chain, there used to be a chain that went across the deep end. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. So I walked out with the chain. And they had, in those days, you used to remember the straight race. You'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. I said, first of all, I said, when I tell you to get off the board, you get off the board, and I'll kick you out again. But I shouldn't have called you, Esther Williams. I apologize for that. He said, you apologize to me? I said, I apologize for that, not for throwing you out, but I apologize for what I said. He said, okay, close the straight razor, and my heart began to beat again. It's such a weird story. It's over the top. Everyone involved sounds like they stepped out of an old movie with their rusty straight razors and rain barrels or whatever. And obviously, most people were pretty skeptical about the story. But former Wilmington Mayor Dennis Williams says Corn Pop is, quote, real as the moon in the sky. Because why wouldn't he say something weird about an already weird story? Also, for anybody who didn't get the reference, I had to look up Esther Williams. She was a famous swimmer in the 40s. So even in 1962, Biden's references were already outdated as hell. Moving on. You may be one of those people that thinks that vaping is stupid. Like, really, really stupid. Or that it makes you look somewhere between a hipster douche nozzle and a mango-scented locomotive carrying the entire cast of Entourage. Or imagine if Nickelback's fog machine wore a fedora and lived in its parents' basement. All of those things are legitimate criticisms, but what you can't say is that it should be illegal. Over the past several weeks, officials have been investigating a lot of pulmonary illnesses in a number of states and at least seven deaths seemingly related to vaping. While the CDC believes the cause to be chemical exposure, it can't really nail it down beyond that. Some people say it has to do with knockoff cartridges from China, or a bad additive, or even a mistake made by people who mix their own. Some of the illnesses were relatively minor, but some were pretty extensive. At least one kid had to be put on aggressive life support. Machines more advanced than your regular run-of-the-mill life support. 
one machine called an extracorporeal membrane oxygenation machine actually performs lung function for you. A respirator helps you breathe by like forcing air into you. But this thing actually takes your blood, removes the carbon dioxide, adds oxygen, and then puts it back into you. That's just crazy. Just take a minute to appreciate that. I mean, high five to science. Now, I completely understand that vaping helps a lot of people quit smoking, and it does theoretically seem to be somewhat healthier alternative to traditional smoking. But you are still putting things in your lungs that were never meant to be there. There is still an inherent risk at play here. However, e-cigarettes and vapes and such have been around for like 10 years now. If they were the problem, we would have seen a lot of issues already. The first death came in late August. So this is clearly something different. But in true government fashion, we can't wait around for things like research or facts. We just have to ban all the things now. And when I say all the things, at the moment it's just the flavored variations. But there is talk of expanding the ban, especially if deaths continue. What has not been banned are cigarettes. And not that I think that they should be banned in any way. But it just seems strange that if lung-related illnesses are the problem, that you would totally ignore tobacco products. It's probably just a coincidence and in no way connected to the shit tons of money tobacco companies pour into campaigns. In addition to Trump's impending ban, some states have already taken their own steps, uh, most notably Michigan and New York. California tried, but they haven't been able to pass it, which is weird because if anybody loves to ban things, it's California. Maybe they ban all the vape flavors, which aren't they all flavored? I mean, even what you would call regular probably doesn't taste that way naturally, right? Anyway, if they ban all the flavors and everyone gets better and lives long, oxygen-filled lives. But maybe, just maybe, the ban pushes people back into the black market for these homebrew versions or back to regular cigarettes and things get decidedly worse. Either way, that's where we are. With all of the things going on in the world, Trump is working on banning e-cigarettes. Clearly the most libertarian president ever. Staying on the subject of Trump for a moment. Last Saturday, two oil facilities in Saudi Arabia were severely damaged by missiles and drones. Despite the fact that credit was originally claimed by rebels in Yemen, everybody quickly started looking at Iran. Even the initial New York Times piece on the attack stated that it wasn't believed to be Iran, but went on to mention them almost two dozen times and talk about all the reasons they could have done it, even if it didn't look like they did. But as time went on, people came around to the idea, and Saudi Arabia now claims that the debris is linked to the Iranian regime. Iran continues to deny any involvement. And this is the kind of thing that happens over there, that it really shouldn't be any of our business. It causes a little spike in gas prices, but it's certainly not the kind of thing worth sending men and women to die in the desert over. I mean, right? Surely as much praise as Trump gets from his supporters about ending wars and bringing troops home, he'd have to see that. But Trump tweeted, Saudi Arabia oil supply was attacked. There is reason to believe that we know the culprit and are locked and loaded depending on verification, but are waiting to hear from the kingdom as to who they believe was the cause of this attack and under what terms we would proceed. And maybe I'm wrong, but that just kind of sounds like we're waiting for Saudi Arabia to tell us if we're going to war. And then shortly after that, he just tweeted, PLENTY OF OIL, in all caps. 
Now, he had also authorized oil to be taken from the strategic oil reserves. So I'm not sure if the second part was meant to calm the market or if he was just daydreaming about invading another Middle Eastern country. We don't need to get into another conflict. First off, just because we don't. But especially given that this should be so far outside of our responsibility. And that this would no doubt lead to such a larger conflict given that Iran's close ties with Russia. Not to mention the fact that we still can't get out of Afghanistan after almost two decades. But nevertheless, Secretary of State Pompeo has called the attack an act of war, and national security officials are meeting to discuss possible options, presumably beyond the increased sanctions Trump has already talked about. This may not be the thing that makes it happen, but it's very clear that certain people in power are determined to go to war with Iran. And this isn't the first administration to work very hard looking for an excuse. But when it does happen, it'll make Iraq look easy. Something a little less depressing and a little more Canadian. How much of a failure do you have to be to lose money selling weed? The Ontario Cannabis Retail Corporation lost $42 million last year attempting to do something that even middle school kids seem to pull off just fine. And you would presume anyone that terrible at business wouldn't be around very long, but that's kind of the problem. The Ontario Cannabis Retail Corporation isn't a regular company. It's what they call a crown corporation, which is a state-owned business. When weed is legalized in places like Colorado, people go out and they open farms and shops, distribution, and apparently pull in obscene amounts of revenue, which help fund things around the state, schools and whatever, and generally help the economy. Well, in Canada, the government isn't only over licensing and regulation, but they are also the only wholesale distributor and the only internet seller. And on top of that, if a regular person wants to open a shop, they have to enter a lottery for a license. So out of thousands that apply, only about 75 make it. A spokesman for the Ontario Finance Minister blamed startup expenses, over $100 million worth apparently, for the $42 million shortfall. Startup expenses are the kind of things that entrepreneurs are great at figuring out, and the government has a long track record of screwing up. Government involvement not only created a grotesquely inefficient pipeline for legal marijuana, but the frustration actually helped the black market in Ontario, which further drives down sales. I mean, why would you worry about a store that has a shortage and is overpriced when you could just go down the road to your regular drug dealer? This is just another quick lesson in why the market should be the market and the government should be beaten into submission. I think that's just about going to do it for this week. There were a lot of stories I didn't get a chance to go over. California's homeless problem is getting so bad that they now have leprosy. Illinois is now expunging past marijuana convictions. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Epstein. The federal government is starting an initiative to basically fight deep fakes and memes. There was just a lot going on in the news that we got too busy to cover. Hopefully we can do better next time. I appreciate everybody listening. If you would like to connect with us, Facebook, Common Sense Underground is your best option. The website is being redesigned, but we still need to hire designers. So that's just, don't even worry about that for a while. Just keep coming back here. And to Facebook, if you would like to yell at me for something, I am the B Parsons on Twitter. Otherwise, oh, we have outro music now. This isn't freedom. 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 Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Have a good one.
Damn you! Damn you! 